Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome back to Out of the Abyss. With you as per usual, your hosts, Lot, Jake, and Pip. We're bringing you guys... Hello. Hey. We're bringing you guys something a little new this week. The last couple weeks we've been dealing with some pretty heavy pretty heavy topics and I thought it'd be fun to mix it up hear from everybody we're gonna take a look at the creepiest Wikipedia articles that we could find we're gonna take turns presenting I'm gonna go first which of you two would like to go second uh, Jake Pip fist fight over it sure I'll go oh, Jake Jake claims it right. claimed back the fuck off dude first on the draw all right yep so to open with I present to you the page of Rosalia Lombardo, an Italian child who died of pneumonia on the, on the 6th of December, 1920, a week shy of her second birthday. And her father had her preserved and her mummified body was admitted to the Capuchin catacombs of Palermo in Sicily and you can still go and see it. Cause it's- That's so fucked up. Yeah, cause Capuchin? it's super well preserved. Yeah, well, Capuchin, the Capuchin catacombs. And in relation to the monkey? I don't know, maybe. Sure. Etymologically. Why not? But, uh, I just, so thought, we, I just thought the monkeys didn't live near Italy. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting you off topic immediately. <laughs> Carry but, maybe on. An but maybe an Italian named the monkey. Oh, maybe. Anyways, thanks to the embalming techniques that were used, the body was super well preserved. X-rays of the body showed that all the organs are still intact. Well... Her body was kept in a little chapel beside a wooden pedestal, but they took some pictures in 2009, uh, National Geographic did, and they showed that the mummy was beginning to show signs of decomposition and discoloration. So the mummy was moved to a drier spot, and her coffin was placed in a hermetically sealed glass enclosure with nitrogen gas to prevent decay. And it remains one of the best preserved bodies in the catacombs. Huh. That's so fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Why are they going to such lengths for this kid? Just because he's already well-preserved and it's kind of cool? Yeah. I mean... I guess so. Once you hit the 100-year mark, that's like a historical... I mean, uh, yeah, the kid did become an artifact. So, what they used to preserve was a mix of one part glycerin, one part formalin saturated with zinc sulfate and zinc chloride and one part of an alcohol solution saturated with salicylic acid. And it was entered into the body through a single point injection, probably the femoral artery, via a gravity injector. And the, fe the femoral artery, if you don't know, is in your thigh. I've got like 40% of that stuff, I think. <laughs> you can preserve a child if you want to. Nice. Send me your kids. <laughs> <laughs> So, the report was that the formalin was used to kill bacteria. The glycerin was used to prevent desiccation, like it replaces the water in cells, basically. The salicylic yep. acid was used to eliminate any fungi within the flesh, and the zinc salts were to petrify the flesh. The mummy is also famous because there's a phenomenon in which her eyes appear to open and close several times a day, revealing her still intact blue irises. Whoa. That's so Weird. Yeah. Fun fact about why? formalin, it's just watered down formaldehyde. Really cheapened you out on that one, dude. The person that runs the catacomb says that it's just an optical illusion produced by the light that filters through the side windows. That's so, what the kid wants you to think. Yeah, I bet. If that thing blinked at me, I would scream like a little fucking girl, 100%. <laughs> just turned and stared at you. 
Hey, what's up, Doc? <laughs> it's like, it's like porcelain dolls, right? Like they, they, they're just so fucking terrifying to me, dude. Really? They're just so creepy looking. I think they're neat. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I'm a little offended, but you're really on point, though. <laughs> what is no need to be offended. It's true. Yeah, you got me dead to rights. <laughs> Jake, what was your? Oh, that's hit, funny. Hit me with your article, your first one. All right, all right. So I'm, I'm talking about the. Oh, I'm gonna butcher this word. Okay, hundred percent. The penangle. It is a like a vampire type thing oh. from uh, Malay folklore. I know that okay. thing, the pen penangolin. Yeah, penangolan, penangle, whatever. I don't know. It's another language. So, yeah, it comes from the word tenangle, meaning to remove or take off because its form is that of a floating disembodied woman's head with trailing organs still attached. Ooh. Yeah, from afar it twinkles like a ball of flame. Apparently, pretty fucked up. Uh, it was a bunch of different iterations of it through like various countries in Southeast Asia, but the this one specifically is Malaysian. Um, so it can't actually be called undead or a classical undead thing because it's it takes the form of like a living woman during the day and then at night turns into this like disembodied organ thing, right? And uh, one of the biggest things about this is they it will like meditate essentially in a vat of vinegar to preserve all the organs and shrink them so they don't like sag as much mm. I don't know it's really fucked up dude but um, in, in the actual folklore like how this happens is they are mortal women who practice black magic to become one you, you must meditate during a ritual bath in vinegar with your whole body submerged except for your head um, then you're active in penangle form during the night, essentially. Uh, the creature regularly soaks its organs in vinegar to shrink them for easy entry back into the body. Yeah, and you can really tell which one of these women is is this because they'll just fucking reek of vinegar 24-7, dude. No, man. It's a, it's, see, that's a light self-pickle. Do you think they ever throw a little sachet in there <laughs> yeah. with, like, some bay leaf and some coriander, maybe a little bit of star ass? Oh. Some of those little dude, baby would, onions? Dude, be the best you, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and some baby onions. You return to your body and you got a little snack ready for you. <laughs> a couple of cucumbers, <laughs> just cuz. Gross. They <laughs> just stuff my organs back in here. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, dude. Hell you yeah. Stop yeah you Time to eat a baby onion. You recompile yourself, cough, and a pickle comes out. Oh, hey, a snack. Speaking of babies, though, their uh -oh. victims are traditionally pregnant women and young children. As you do. As you do, yep. Um, so, what they'll do is they'll hide under the stilts in all like the Malay stilt houses, right? Oh yeah. And use its long tongue to lap up the blood of the new mother. Hmm. Like a but, mosquito? Isn't that isn't that what Tom Cruise did? <laughs> That's exactly what Tom Cruise did. I'm glad you brought that up. That segues very well into my next one. We'll have to wait on that one. Ah oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so the most common protection against one of these creatures is to scatter the thorny leaves of any of the subspecies of local plant known as mangquang probably virgin that as well which has sharp thorny leaves and would either trap or injure 
the exposed lungs, stomach, and intestines of Nagel as it searches for its prey. Oh, because it's got soft organs just trailing around. Right? Yep. Oh, that's pretty good. You cut those and the whole thing dies. That, that's why it's not, like, technically undead, I guess, right? That, that kind of sounds like a downgrade on having the body. I mean, isn't the point of the body to protect It really does. Organs? It's just like haunting with extra steps, dude. I guess, but I mean, there's got to be, like, some benefit. I mean, it's light immortality? I assume? Yeah, well, I mean, pickled? the benefit is, like, you're not actually dead. Like, you're not, like, a ghost that's just wandering, doing whatever the fuck ghosts do, right? Like, you're, like... I don't know. Living your normal day by or living your normal life by day, and then drinking vegetable blood by night. Didn't you just be just be in your body underneath the house, drinking blood? I'm just saying. Yeah, but but that defeats the purpose of um, being scary. Vinegar. What is is the purpose? That's a good. I don't know. I was really looking for something, but I got nothing. Maybe this is just a black magic ritual that was concocted by the vinegar companies. Big vinegar, big wants vinegar. to scare you. <laughs> big vinegar coming in, yeah, scary shit, dude. Haunted by big vinegar. Oh, apparently, it's also a monster in Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh, I yep. bet everything's a monster in Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Uh, it appears in Hellboy as well. Where? The comics. The comics. I've read a lot of Hellboy. I don't have any memory of that. Uh, it, Hellboy, the Troll, Witch, and Others comics. Or maybe that's how I learned. It's been a long time, actually, since I read Hellboy. I gotta get back into that. It goes... Dude, Hellboy's the shit. It goes ham, dude. Last I saw, the world yep, was in the middle of ending. I mean, that sounds like your average Hellboy comic, honestly. It worked its way up to that. I didn't expect them to really, like, go there and, like, have... And, like, work through the actual, like, fallout of society. You know, like, reforming and everything and dealing with these unnatural monsters. Alright, Pip. It's good. Alright. My topic is slime molds, which is an informal name given to several kinds of unrelated, uh, you, I'm gonna butcher this, eukaryotic organisms that can live freely as single cells. Sounds like a sex thing. It does a little bit, but the, yeah, they live freely as single cells, but can aggregate together to form multicellular reproductive structures, which is wild because it's a single cell or it's a colony and it just functions freely as both they used to be classified as a fungi but are no longer considered part of that you can't see the face i'm making right now looking at this wikipedia bitch are you looking at it oh man disgusted i'm it's so weird dude it's the it's the damn near alien dude there's over dude actually this is not yeah this is not of this earth, man. Their common name refers to part of some of the organism's life cycles where they appear as a gelatinous, quote, slime, it says, which tracks because slime mold. I want to poke one with a stick. I, I don't want to go near one ever. Well, you got to be careful with that because apparently they can ride on things, too. <laughs> most, it, can, it can, like, attach to you? Hold on. Back up. Most, Let's revisit this. Yeah, most slime molds are smaller than a few centimeters, but some species reach sizes of up to several square meters and masses of up to 20 kilos. Many slime molds, mainly the, quote, cellular slime molds, do not spend most of their time in this state. When food is abundant, they exist as single-celled organisms, and when it's in short supply, 
many of these single-celled organisms will congregate and start moving as a single body. Wait, wait. It moves? Yeah, By itself? Man. Yeah, man. I will repeat what that last fuck? part. When food is abundant, these slime molds exist as single-celled organisms. When food is in short supply, many of these single-celled organisms will congregate and start to move as a single body. Like the liquid metal terminator, except it doesn't become a guy. <laughs> I was gonna say like Voltron, but tiny. Uh, Pardon? Like Voltron, but tiny, and like a lot of them. Like Voltron, Voltron but dude. moldy. Mold Voltron, dude. dude. What kind of sound Vol do you think a, a Voltron? Slime mold makes? <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah. What kind of sound do you think a slime mold makes as it moves? Ah. Uh, you guys hear this? <laughs> <laughs> that was... Wow. Pip, you are yeah. no longer a host. You're now the Foley guy. Oh, no. <laughs> that was beautiful. Hey, oh. <laughs> we conked, dude. What, el what else you got, Pip? You got anything else on Slime right, right. Tell us. Yep. In that state, they are sensitive to airborne chemicals and can detect food sources. Keep in mind... This is a congregation of single cells moving as a single colony. They don't really have a nervous system, but can detect food sources through airborne chemicals and readily Dude, change. How does it actually move? Does it like does it like claw the ground and just like drag itself basically, or does it like wiggle? I think it just moves the same way any single cell does, except they all kind of just do. do it They've got single cell things normally have like those filia, and it's kind of so, it, so it's like lol. The little, those little, little tiny crawlies. Those little micro hairs, yeah. and it just legit like micro crawls. Yeah. Cilia, isn't they it? Can... Fucking hell. Cilia, that's what it was, not philia. They can readily change the shape and function of parts and may form stalks that produce, quote, fruiting bodies, which release <laughs> countless spores light enough to be carried on the wind or hitch a ride on passing animals, which then grows into more slime mold cells. That's the peak of evolution, right? As you poke it with that stick, that stick has got slime mold on it. You poke that stick somewhere else, you spread it. You cannot kill it in any way that means anything. Yeah. They feed Burn on... It. They feed on microorganisms that live in any dead plant material. So it eats the things that eats the dead plants. They... That's a fucking apex predator, dude. Holy shit. Yeah. So, um, this is the real-life version of, like, fantasy D&D slimes. I'm just glad that they don't form, like, 3D slimes. Because we'd, we'd be all done for, dude. It's just, like, a film. And now, uh, yep. I don't know if it mentions it in the article, but I did read uh, an article some time ago wherein it actually has an, a form of, quote, external memory to fight despite being a accumulation of single-celled organisms, wherein the slime it leaves behind is a physical memory of where it has been and there is no food. They've tested that. they spread, like, a film of food in a pan and let it just move around. And it wouldn't go where it had already been because it knew that there was no food there because it had left slime. So just physiologically, can... it has memory. It's not sentient. It's just a colony <laughs> so of cells. Weird. 
but it knows its slime sense can see where its slime trail is dude yeah because it goes to move there and it's like oh no that's our slime we've been there there is no food we will go elsewhere <laughs> we the collective will go elsewhere yeah <laughs> a hive mind of goo baby <laughs> god if... I never want to hear goo mind ever again <laughs> out of here. yeah baby if you're feeling particularly uh bold you can look up some google images because there okay. is as i said over 900 species and they all look wild some of them look like little colonies of mushrooms dude it's little slow moving mushrooms with memory the uh fruiting bodies that they produce have an insane variety of weird looks that might be the scariest thing we hear tonight actually yeah, it's real it like. and you can't disprove it <laughs> What do you, what do you, what do you Probably think? tastes like mold. Mm. You keep your bread for too long, and you bite into it, and you get that mouthful of green dust. I bet it's that. I bet that's what it tastes like. Excellent. For the next one. Let's move on from this, please. I, for you. <laughs> I win. <laughs> yeah. The euthanasia roller coaster. Oh yeah. Designed in 2020, uh, 2010 and made into a scale model by a Lithuanian artist whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. A PhD candidate. Oh, you can't Royal say that. College you got to try it. His, la yeah, his last name's Urbonus. His first name. His first name's uh Julionis? Julionis Urbonus? Julionis Urbonus. I feel bad for laughing. It's, it's fucking bars, dude. It's probably not right, That's but you're right. Catchy. That flows. That flow is sick. Yeah. Anyways. Julionis Babonis, dude. Yeah, he, uh, he'd worked at a, an amusement park and stated that the goal of the concept was to take lives, and I quote, with elegance and euphoria. He mentioned euthanasia okay. or execution as the purpose. I he, mean, uh, a, a, a hooker and some morphine would do the trick, too, wouldn't it? I mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got a question for you, though. Less elegant what kind though. of crime do you got to commit to be sentenced to death? And they're like, you know what, dude, you get to ride the roller You're coaster. You're sentenced to the coaster. <laughs> yeah. Coast them, boys. <laughs> Lethal injection now. We're putting them on the coaster. You want to go to the... Yeah. Man, that would be a source of such great horror stories. Can you imagine a horror story of someone who's wrongly convicted and they wait, like, they get knocked out with, like, a needle in the neck or something after the trial? And then they wake up already in the coaster as it like goes strapped up. to the fucking coaster. <laughs> oh, no. I wonder if it like has that thing at the end where it takes your picture and can put it off. <laughs> With the like time of death, dude. Five dollars for a picture. Let's go. Nah, dude. Each loop has a camera, so as you go by, you can progressively see it occur. Oh dear. <laughs> oh my. So, he got the inspiration from John Allen, the president of the Philadelphia Toboggan Company. He described hmm. the ultimate roller coaster as one that sends out 24 people, and they all come back dead. That's a bold <laughs> statement from someone who makes like, wooden toboggans. Toboggans kind yeah, of rip, though. Yeah. When's the last time you've been on a toboggan, man? The perfect toboggan That's is one that can kill someone with G-force as they go down a 120-foot hill on a 30% incline just death no breaks we're putting a blade on the front i mean that'll kill you for sure <laughs> i want to get off no, mr bones wild ride 
once you start going down the hill, it's got little booster jets that will actually propel you down faster. Uh, so Where we're going, we don't need <laughs> snow, dude. Just, you don't even hit the bottom and, like, slope off onto the flat ground. You hit the bottom and just smash. <laughs> like, you're going so fast, you don't even curve. What do, you do, do is you, you get another Do you guys coaster. remember fucking... Do you guys remember crazy carpets? Oh, you guys ever go on these? Oh, that is that experience, dude. 100%. You go down that hill and you either fall off midway and fucking roll to your death, or you hit the bottom of the hill so fast it just like sends you flying every time without fail. Third option is you hit a bump, and because you're like laying yep. down on the crazy carpet, all the force <laughs> and speed of you landing from that bump destroys your body. Sends you off, dude. Disintegrates your bones. There's a hill. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, 200 feet from my parents' house that all the kids in the in the area would go sledding on. And when I was oh, younger, dear. it was a hazard because the hill was pretty big. And kids would, at the bottom, build small ramps that blended in with yeah. the surrounding snow. All right. So you, oh, sneaky ramps. Yeah, okay. so you would go down, and like it was only like an 8-inch, 10-inch ramp. But if you hit that thing at speed and you're not expecting it and you're on, like, a crazy carpet, like, you've just been yeeted into oblivion. <laughs> you're gone. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and it's on a hill, right? So if I'm assuming this correctly, by the time gravity, the difference the difference in height between where the jump is and where the actual ground is, where you land, is, like, a couple of feet. Yeah, it's sizable for sure. And yeah. we, had the, we had the same thing at my old sledding hill. We also had a small half pipe to the side that nobody yeah. used for actual like snowboarding, and people would just try and get as much speed as they could to hit the end of the half pipe, and it was basically just like a skateboarding bowl where it went up to like full vertical. So people would try and like hit that on the crazy carpet and then like land on their feet and walk off. <laughs> just most people I imagine not. most of the time they just died though. Most yeah. people did not land on their feet. They just <laughs> yep. beefed it, and everyone loved it. Oh. I miss being a kid, dude. That's my so, my so bones true. were soft and springy. Yeah, dude. Now I'm just sore, and if I did that, I'd actually break something. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Cane. I cripple myself. So, the concept design of the coaster layout begins with a steep angled lift up to a 510-meter peak. So it would take two minutes for the, the train to hit the top. You got two minutes to think about it. And any passengers that wished to get off then could do so. Unless, I assume, you were sentenced to the coaster. And then they would be like, nope. <laughs> do they just have, like, a half-kilometer ladder? Well, how do they get you off? I imagine there's something. They just walk it back? Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, <laughs> someone wants to get off. Everyone else on the coaster <laughs> is like... Go through it again, dude. Really uh, make sure you're ready for this. Everyone else is trying to talk them back into it. Come on, man. They have a little slide that runs down the side, and you, you, they give you a potato sack right at the start. You actually just go on the skyscraper, dude. They give you a, a crazy carpet and let you ride back down the tracks. Anyone who doesn't want to take the roller coaster is perfectly free to step off the side and throw themselves into the abyss halfway up to, to get the job done instead. That's your choice. We're giving you the freedom. Yep. So, Two choices is indeed freedom. So from the, the 510 meter top, 
you would have a 500 meter drop that would take the train to 360 kilometers per hour, pretty close to terminal velocity, before flying out terrifying. and speeding into the first of its seven slightly clothoid inversions, so a little bit of an oval shape almost. Each inversion would have a smaller diameter than the one before because it would maintain the lethal 10G to passengers while the train loses speed. After a sharp right-hand turn, the train would enter a straight where unloading of corpses and the loading of new passengers could take place. So if you survive the loop-de-loops, that right turn just snaps your neck then, eh? No, well they said that what they would want to do is to either add extra inversions or to run the roller coaster twice to make sure that like everyone who is <laughs> on this pack, is dude. dead. No, what you do is you so, get a oh, second coaster and then at the end they interact and they just crash. <laughs> they they flip like upside down over one another so that the heads on the coaster like smack one another. And you just like, this sounds like <laughs> this sounds like every coaster I've ever made in roller coaster type game. You said that they, they, they load and unload at the same time? So did you say that, or was I not listening? Yeah, no, it says that you would unload, like just like, you'd pull all the bodies out, and you would wipe all the fecal matter because, like, <laughs> you know, you void your bowels What do you do you with die. all the corpses? You just <laughs> kick them out the other side, you, or what? You, you pull them Listen, and Listen, nobody you, wants to see how the sausage gets made. You give them one of those... <laughs> True. You give them one of those, I survived the euthanasia roller coaster, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt things and you put their photos in their hands but you didn't survive you were dead <laughs> oh, they my. killed you, you God, i want to get that shirt though actually <laughs> i <laughs> would wear be... the hell out of that shirt i if we start doing merch i swear the first thing <laughs> i'll make is a shirt that says i rode the euthanasia roller coaster and survived the only thing i got was this lousy hoodie <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, My so face hurts from smiling. The idea is that it would kill you through cerebral hypoxia by keeping you at 10 G for 60 seconds. Basically, like your blood wouldn't be able to pump, and your brain would just not have enough oxygen, and your your vision would go gray and turn into a tunnel, and then you would just die. And it was that's why they kind of came up with this idea as like a, a humane. You you know, other than the hideous terror of your impending death, which I assume like you always feel during an execution or euthanasia? I guess. I mean... Yeah. If you focused on the ride, right? And we just fade to black as you rode the coaster for the last time. Probably more... Until a blood rushes to your fucking brain, you can't breathe. Yeah, dude. I guess. I mean, it's probably more fun than, you know, sitting in a garage with the exhaust running in a car. I don't know. Dude, at least that you're like... You're sitting in the heat. You got some tunes going. I was gonna, you know? I was gonna say you got the you got <laughs> tunes pumping, man. Maybe you got a little you got a little Burger King in there. I mean, you just pump <laughs> some music BK into the. on the way out, dude. You hit pump, the bait pump pen. some music into the coaster, dude. You got the Beach Boys. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I think that the last thing that I want as I'm like hitting the top of the peak is like the synthesizer and tambourine beginnings of like good vibrations. As it just fades to black. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. I want you to stop the coaster long enough for me to listen to pet sounds one last time. <laughs> Please. There's nothing I want less in this world to die listening to the Beach Boys. <laughs> Actually. Probably want to listen like Tame Impala. 
Lo-fi. Wait, Jake's like, wait, let me pick the playlist. It's like lo-fi beats to chill and study to. (laughs) (laughs) To chill and commit suicide to, I guess. Chill and ride the euthanasia coaster to. So what's the price of admittance for that coaster? You gotta pay for that? Or is it just like complimentary? Complimentary. (laughs) That's the cyberpunk dystopia I didn't know I wanted. Oh god! I've had enough. I mean, get all right. Futurama, they charge for the suicide booths. <laughs> the twenty-five cents. True. Yeah. A pittance. All right. All right. All right. My next one. All right. Is Charles Bonnet syndrome? What? Yes, heard of this? No. So it is a visual release hallucination that only occurs in people that have serious uh, vision loss, right? It's weird. So it's a medical thing. It's, I'll, I'll link you the article here so you guys can read along with me. But right. um, So it was first described by Charles Bonnet in 1760 uh, and it was first introduced into English-speaking psychiatry in 1982. A related type of hallucination that also occurs with lack of visual input is called the closed-eye hallucination. They're kind of similar but a little different. So one thing, like the signs and symptoms are people with significant vision loss may have vivid, reoccurrent, so recurrent visual hallucinations. One characteristic is that these hallucinations, and they are usually, God, I'm not gonna be able to say this word, Lilliputian. Lilliputian. A Lilliputian. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and that means that the objects or characters that you see during this hallucination are a lot smaller than they actually are. It's a Gulliver's Travels reference. Yeah. So they can either be simple or complex. Simple ones are usually just like shapes or like grid patterns kind of thing. Um, but the complex ones consist of like highly detailed people and objects. The most common one is you know, faces or cartoons and that kind of stuff, right? People who have these understand it's not real, but like I can't imagine the fucking terror of being blind or like significantly re- significantly reduced vision, and then like seeing all this like crazy shit. That would be so terrifying to me. And you it's, know, it's stuff that you've seen before. Uh, potentially. Jesus, I've I've spent way too much time on the internet, dude. If that happened to me, I'd see that you know I had to do it to him, guy, just in a field of black. <laughs> Lucky Luciana. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I I'm picturing just shopping in like a grocery store, and you like pluck a carton of milk off the off the side, and all of a sudden you start seeing like the sketch, like the the music video for Take on Me by Aha, where it's all like sketches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be. And everyone there's looking at you like you're crazy. <laughs> Banger though. Actual banger, dude. You guys hear the Weezer cover of that song? No. Fucking mint, dude. That's the one you put on the coaster. It's all about the real big fish cover. (laughs) (laughs) As you're going through the loops, dude. It is all about the real big fish cover. But so, so, you got any more laid on us? So there's no, like, apparently there's no general consensus on the definition of this thing. It's just that you see shit, basically, if you're blind before, right? Weird and vague? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So the predominant factors correlated with it are a decrease of visual acuity, visual field loss, and elderly age. It's more common in people, you know, 60 plus than it is anywhere else. Not that it can't happen uh, in, when you're younger, but it's more common when you're older. Uh, the characteristic features of visual hallucinations are not significantly linked to the, the anatomical site of the ocular injury, 
they usually match to the location of visual loss. Yeah, I don't know. It's more the concept of this. Like, all, this is a lot of medical shit that I know nothing about, so I'm not even gonna try to read it. But it's more the concept of having no sight and then seeing either like crazy detailed uh, hallucinations of random people and random objects, or like seeing all these like weird mm. like fucking. 80s style geometric fucking dancing shapes. That's Vapor fucking wave. terrifying to me, dude. Yeah, that's, that's, like that's what I think, Like those solo cups? Right? Weird. Did you see that that yeah. blue wave? I'm, I'm looking a little deeper in the articles here, and you know what, though? 60% of people say that the, the hallucinations have no effect on their lives. 33% feel mm. it's disruptive, and 7% even find pleasure in the hallucinations. 7% of people have a tulpa. <laughs> I don't know. It, it would still be really strange to me, though, you know? Good morning, hallucinatory Kate Upton. It would be so... I don't know, like, I, I guess... I'm trying to think of how I would enjoy it. I guess, you know, you, you're deprived of your sight, and then you get to see something again. Like, that's probably pretty cool, but... I mean, maybe you watch a lot of Baywatch who's never been blind. Sight. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like things you've seen before because not everyone has no. seen things before right I, th I think it's just like well that was that was the i thought that I was know. what it said was like if you somebody who had sight and then lost it gets this yeah but like it can be anyone with it, significant it doesn't mean loss. that you see things that you've seen before it just means that if your eyes are accustomed to seeing and then you lose sight uh sometimes your brain will just be like actually you're seeing things and make shit up yeah that seems lightly related to sensory deprivation. Yeah, they make a couple allusions to it in the article. Sure. Hmm. They do, yep. Yep. Yes. It's your turn. So it is. I am doing the topic of my man Terre, who was a French so showman and soldier, lived in the 18th century, near the end of it, and he uh, was noted for his quote unusual appetite and eating habits. Ooh, now it's a big boy, dude. Yeah, this one, this man was more than a jughead. He more than just eating burgers. This man ate anything. He ate vast amounts of meat and was constantly hungry, which still is kind of jughead. And his parents could not provide for him though, as a teenager, and he was turned away because he ate so much. <laughs> We can't afford to feed you. Get the fuck Get out. Fast. Yeah. How hungry you gotta be, man? <laughs> Anyways. Very. So, instead of living with his parents, he lived with uh, a band of thieves and prostitutes and became a warm act for a traveling charlatan. And in his act, he would swallow corks, stones, basket full of apples, live animals, pretty much anything. Which is pretty wild. I mean, so I could see someone that's eating. Wild. Yeah, I mean, you know that kid in the playground. Everyone, everyone had that kid on the playground that would, uh, you know, like eat a worm for a dollar or something. This man yeah. took it to a whole nother level. He ate the worms because he was hungry, and then got paid incidentally. <laughs> Same. Called a poor man's <laughs> oh. poor man's ramen. Poor man's ramen. Uh, yeah. I, I love it with my noodles. I like when my noodles move as yeah, they, they go down. they fight back a little. Oh. Uh, <laughs> gross. This man would have made it in Japan, dude, with the, the live octopus thing. Oh, can you imagine the terrare mukbangs? 
No! This eats the fucking camera, dude. <laughs> Just I heard that Terrer had like chickens. a weirdly big mouth, dude. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, it said that he has like a four-inch mouth, like went between his jaws when he opened it all the way. And I had a ruler. I've measured it. I'm a big guy. I'm like six one. I have a fairly large head, even for people of my size. I got two inches of space there. Yeah, four-inch mouth is a very, very big opening. That's inhuman. It's like the scream mask, except yeah. his his face just does that. <laughs> it's some taking of Deborah Logan shit. Was slim of average height. Um, let's see here. At one point, while he was a teenager, he was noted to have eaten a quarter of a cow, which is like a hundred pounds, which is about his weight, his body weight, and just meat. So no wonder his parents turned him away, right? Right. Yeah. When he hadn't eaten, his Weird. skin would hang so loosely that he could wrap the folds of skin from his abdomen around his waist. When full, it would distend, quote, like a huge balloon. And apparently there's a source on that, which is a direct quote from someone in history. I, you know, I think Matt Stoney has the same thing. Who? He's a professional uh, eater. He does like eating yeah, challenges. Yeah, that's the eating dude. But he's also like a dietitian and, and does it really healthy. But I know that a big part of like doing stuff like that is literally expanding your stomach. Yeah. Hmm. Great content, but I mean, how do you do that story. to your jaw though by like two extra inches? Yeah, that this that man. Was, um, that was before surgery, so. Yeah. Just punch yourself in the jaw real quick. Dislodge it. Broken forever? I don't know, dude. This man's body was hot to the touch, and he was always sweating and had a foul body odor, which was described, and with another source direct quote here, as stinking to such a degree that he could not be endured within the distance of 20 paces. <laughs> Makes sense, right? If you're metabolizing all that all the time. Yeah. Stinky boy. You'd smell pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Apparently he never, like, vomited or gained weight or anything. And he seemed to be perfectly fine, if just kind of a little, like, apathetic. He didn't really care much about anything, except he was hungry. God, that's really relatable, actually. <laughs> yeah. Mood. Let's see, uh, quote, A complete lack of force and ideas. There is, there is so much more here. They tried to cure him with all kinds of stuff. They did experiments to see what he would eat. He was in the military for a time. He was given a... a wheelbarrow with 30 pounds of raw bull's lungs and liver and he ate immediately all of it like raw raw bull's lungs and liver now liver liver is a thing that people eat most people don't eat lungs this man ate garbage trash just awful meat would fight yeah would fight animals in alleys to eat garbage there was, um... He the animal, too, dude. Yeah. He was in a, in a hospital when they tried to cure him for a while, and they, uh, wasn't working. And, uh, during that time, a 14-month child disappeared from the hospital. And, uh, of course, everyone immediately suspected Armand Terrer. There was no one... There wasn't really any way to defend him, and he was chased from the hospital. Poor Terrer, dude. Yeah, imagine being that kid when that weird... 
perfectly proportioned Frenchman was skulking the halls, feeling hungry. Just roaming, just roaming about, man, checking garbage cans yeah. and bassinets. It's so uncomfortable Ooh. to think of how this man looked, dude. I'm just imagining the, the hanging skin flaps in this fucking... Ugh. Right? Yeah. Makes me think of a monster from a video game. And he was... Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I mean... And he was French, so the whole battle was just uphill from the start. I got one here, Pip, I'll to bring follow it. up on Terrain. Called Charles Domer. He was a Polish soldier who served the Prussian and French armies, and he was known for his unusual appetite. He died sometime after the year 1800. It was around the same time as What Chris. happened there? You guys were both soldiers, too, the, eh? Yeah. He served the Prussian army against France during the War of the First Coalition. He found that the rations of the Prussians were insufficient, so he deserted to the French in return for food. The French feed their soldiers better, apparently. It's... An army marches on his stomach, yeah. plus they've already got experience with Tere. They're like, oh, fuck, another one. We know how to deal with this guy. We just feed him. Run it back, doesn't... dude. Yeah. Feed him. He's not going to eat our kids. Like, he walked in and he surrendered to the French commander, and the French commander was like, ah, good surrender. You know, have a melon. And Domery just sat there and ate the whole melon, including the rind. And the, the commander was like, wow, that's wild. He just started giving him <laughs> a bunch of other foods. And he just Yo, what else can we throw in this guy, dude? Yeah. So then he enlisted with the French army, and he shocked his comrades because he just ate. Double rations, used his pay to buy extra food, still starving all the time. He was stationed near Paris, and it was reported that he ate 174 cats in a single year, leaving only the skin and bones, and ate four to five pounds of grass each day if no other food was available. Huh. He preferred, he preferred raw meat to cooked, and his favorite meal was raw cow's liver, but he'd eat what? any meat. He was on service on a French ship ah. called the Hulk, and a sailor's leg was shot off by a cannon, and Domery grabbed the severed limb and started eating it until a crew member took it from him and tossed it into the sea. You know how scary that would be to be one of the crewmates? And you see your buddy's leg get blown off, this and this man immediately goes like, Night of the Living Dead on it. <laughs> That's fucked up, dude. How hungry do you gotta be, though? You just see that leg, and you're like, you get finished that, dude. It just transforms into like a KFC two-piece in your, in your mind. You're like, oh. Little full Looney Tunes on it, man. He's, he's just standing there by your buddy. He gestures at him. You gonna eat that? What? You gonna eat that? You gonna eat what? Never mind. <laughs> Apparently not. Let me finish it for you. Just grab his fucking bloodied leg. <laughs> So his ship eventually got captured by the British off the coast of Ireland, and they were put in a prison camp near Liverpool. And in those days, the food that prisoners of war ate was paid for by, like, the nation they were captured from. So, you know, when you gave them the soldier back, you would present them with, like, a bill. So they gave him double rations, and he was still hungry. So they, they ended up putting him on ten men's rations each day. Mm. And the standard daily ration for a French prisoner of war was 26 ounces or 740 grams of bread. So just shy of two pounds of bread. So he was eating just shy of 20 pounds of bread a day. That's a lot of fucking bread. Half a pound of vegetables. That's a lot yeah, of bread. So, so he's eating five pounds of veg. And two ounces or 20 ounces, that's just over a pound of butter. Or six ounces of cheese. So what's, what's six times 10? 60, 60 ounces is a little over two pounds, two pounds of cheese a day. Huh. 
He was still hungry, and he ate the prison cat, and he was eating rats that would get into his cell. He was taking the medicines of people in the camp infirmary that didn't want to take them. He would just be like, oh, that's a snack, and just pop it with, like, no ill effects. It was also recorded that he'd eat candles, and that if he ran out of his ration of beer, he would start drinking water, which in that day was, like, not a done thing. That was the reason that you would drink, like, diluted beer, or you would put rum in beer to make grog, is to make the water. Oh, yeah, because it's full of, like, toxins and dysentery, right? Yeah, so you would either mix it with alcohol or you'd make like tea or coffee where you'd boil Just water. anything to fill his stomach, Jesus. Yeah, they did an experiment once where they, they woke him up, and at 4 a.m., given four pounds of raw cow udder, which he just wolfed down. 9.30 a.m., five pounds of raw beef, 12 large tallow candles, uh, totaling about a pound, and a bottle of porter, all consumed. 1 o'clock. He's given another meal, five more pounds of beef, a pound of candles, and three large bottles of porter, all of which he ate and drank. He didn't poop or use the bathroom in any way or puke at all. His pulse was regular. His skin didn't change temperature the entire experiment. Upon his return to his quarters, uh, he was recorded as being of particularly good cheer. He danced, smoked his pipe, and drank a further bottle of they porter. They fed him a lot of food, and he's like, finally... Finally, some good fucking food. <laughs> <laughs> we don't actually know what happened to him. If he was freed, huh. if he was, if he died in prison, if he was returned to France or Poland or stayed in Liverpool. We have no idea. Dickens, Charles Dickens, noted that uh, he said, and I quote, Now, it is my opinion that a man like this, doing in public on the stage of Drury Lane, would draw much better than a mere tragedian who chews unsubstantial words instead of wholesome beef. That's so weird, dude. Yeah, so two people with now we big know boy we know Terrere died because he ate a fork and they couldn't find it. <laughs> oh, what a way to go, man! Yeah, he was uh, he swallowed a golden fork two years, and he believed that that was what caused his uh, weakness. And I'm still looking in in horror at some of this article for Terrere, and like he was also caught several times within the hospital drinking from patients that were undergoing bloodletting and attempting to eat the bodies in the mortuary <laughs> hunger what the fuck dude hunger boy. does things to people man hungry boy and if you're if that's your hey, whole man, thing i guess snickers. jesus you're not you when you're hungry all right all right jake all right you got another yeah. one for us to take us off the horror of drinking yeah blood? yeah so we're moving on from cannibalism to scientology Basically, mental Basically, cannibalism. Basically, mental cannibalism. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Specifically, though, specifically, we're talking about Gold Base. Right? And that's their, their main headquarters or whatever, right? The de facto international headquarters is the official title. It is in San Jacinto in California. It's in California. Um, about 85 miles or 137 kilometers from L.A. So the weird thing about this place, all right, We'll start with a little bit of history, then we'll get to the weird shit. But it was it was previously a spa resort called the Gilman Hot Springs that was established in the 1890s. But um, they went bankrupt in the 70s, uh, and the, the Church Scientology bought it in 78 under the alias of the Scottish Highland Quietude Club. It's a red flag right there. Yeah, yeah. What does quietude even mean? Let me Google this real quick. Quietude, yeah. peace, a state of stillness, calmness, or quiet, or and quiet in person or place. 
You know what they say about those Scottish yeah, Highlanders, want, dude. They just really hate the bagpipes. Dude, if I want... <laughs> yeah. If I want quietude, I don't go to the desert. I don't join Scientology. I just go fishing. In yep. the hot springs? In, in the Scottish Highlands, dude. No. <laughs> in the scu- fishing in the Scottish Highlands. So they bought they bought that in 78. And currently on base, there's uh, numerous buildings. Uh, one of which is a movie studio called Golden Era Productions. Which is kind of neat. They haven't done anything you would have seen. Yeah. It's like training videos and like propaganda, Scientology shit, right? Um, but it houses the Scientology leader, uh, senior church officials, and up to 1,000 of the church's elite Sea Org. And so they all live and work on base. It's also the location of the $10 million mansion built for the for, for Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard. Although he never lived there before his death in 86, the mansion and his living quarters are still maintained to this day in anticipation of his predicted reincarnation. Yeah. Okay, now for the weird shit, all right? Hmm. So everyone that works on base, this is according to some former members of Scientology, everyone that works on base, uh, they, they, they'll receive sporadic paychecks of like 50 bucks at most while working you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But this pay can be docked very, very heavily if you don't meet any of your quotas or if you, you know, do something wrong or whatever, right? And oftentimes the work they do is seriously fucking brutal, right? There's this one report that I can't find in the Wikipedia article here, but I read it somewhere else of this woman and her job was literally to run around a circle in front of this hole, right? For like 12 hours a day, only taking maybe like half an hour for lunch and a couple couple other breaks in, in between. But if she didn't do that, like she would be like heavily penalized on her pay or, you know, abused or whatever because religious groups can fucking do that, right? Yeah, that's their religious freedoms yeah. in action. Yeah. So that that's a thing. Uh, there's also... <laughs> So, about a hundred people are reported of trying to escape the base every year, right? So that you have to set up some defenses to keep your fucking people inside, I guess, right? There's a picture on here, I'll link. It is a fence, all right? It is a fence that has blades on it, right? And you'd think, oh yeah, fence keeps stuff out. It's got blades on both sides, boys. Keep stuff in, keep stuff out. It's called the Ultra Barrier. Oh yeah. Ooh, I'm looking at that. Jesus Christ. That's those are kitchen yeah. knives. Size yeah, those blades. are those are That's like a steak knife each side every yep. few inches. Those are very meant to keep someone in or out of the thing. Nothing passes. When asked why half the spikes face inwards, church spokesman Tommy Davis said, "That's just how they were installed." The IKEA guy built it wrong. Wait, really? Did it say that? <laughs> yeah, that's how we got it. The... Yeah, that was their statement. Was that's yep. just how they were installed? That's just how they came from the factory, dude. It's not like they were custom ordered. We were I at Home swear. Depot. We were at Home Depot. We were picking yep. up fence spikes, and they yep, only yep, made yep, the doubles. Yep. So that's what we got. Cost just as much for the one-way spikes. Might as well. This place is actually huge, dude. If you look at the pictures, <laughs> a little way down the page, like there's got to be like. Yeah. Yeah, like 15, 20 buildings on this site, dude. Jesus. It looks like there's these super tall, probably like, like, I don't know, three or four story t- uh, tall blue buildings, the blue roof. It looks like a fucking hotel, dude. Oh, yeah? It it's does. gotta be like dormitories or something, right? I assume. But, um... 
I am looking at the article. It says it's bisected by a public road, so that you can just drive through it freely. Yep. But it's it's closely monitored by the church, capital C. <laughs> capital C. With cameras recording passing traffic. That's scary, dude. It's super scary. Do they do they have the right to stop you if they think you're up to something? How scary would it be if you're passing through there and they don't let you out the other side? You're just abducted by the Scientologists? Yeah. Um, so, the south side of the property, do you, it do has you, its in-house film studio. Just 7,400 square foot studio in the style of a Scottish castle. Oh. That's pretty sick, actually. Is there a picture of that castle? Oh, there it is. That's that's a pretty whack it's, castle, it's, though. It doesn't yeah, look castle little toy castle. It's the... Sh it's got the shape of a castle, but not, like, the yep. texture. Do you think that the Google Earth, like, camera van has gone through that road? <laughs> Probably. These pictures look very Google Earthy. The ones at the top, anyway. Oh, not really, actually. But, okay, the weirdest part about this place, right? So, like, obviously, life is terrible. People try to escape all the time, so you gotta install that kitchen knife fence, right? But if you are a senior member of the Church of Scientology, obviously, that's less bad for you, right? So... The average meal for the workers and like everyone not at the top is about, you know, like 70 cents a person. Okay. But at the top, <laughs> hold on, let me, let me find the actual number. According to his financial officer, Miskovich's financial officer, from 2000 to 2004, his food costs ranged from 3000 to $20,000 a week. A week? I don't even make that no. much. A week. I didn't make half that much. His villa is said to have a $150,000 sound system and its own private screening room. Living okay, dude. What does he eat? Everything. Does he just eat the people that don't perform? I, mean, I feel like you would have to pay that much for it then, yeah? Yeah, no, that'd be cheap. <laughs> yeah. The, the best part about this article to me, though, right? This is this next paragraph here. That's for the f so Miskovich is a fuck. He loves dogs, all right? So much that... He keeps up to five dogs on base that have their own sea org uniform and hold the rank of captain on base. Okay? Staff are required to salute the dogs as they pass. That dog outranks you, unfortunately. <laughs> Ranked less than an animal, dude. Yep, yep, Jesus. Yep, yep. Uh, so, April 30th this is, is, is the this boy's is like birthday, all right? And every year, everyone on, on base is encouraged to donate their back pay. You know, a $50 a week paycheck. Yep. They can keep that. And that's your back pay. They're encouraged to donate that to buy him a birthday present. And by encouraged, I mean basically demanded. Right? That's so sweet. One year, he was given a $70,000 motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Totally deserves yep. it. Wait, to the no, dog? to him. To him. To Miskovich. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dogs can't ride motorcycles. Fortunately. I mean, this I is know. religion. Yeah, Uniforms it is religion. Just saluted. I don't expect it to make sense. It... <laughs> Get my dog a motorcycle. A dogger cycle. I think dogs would be more of a moped critter. Think so? Get my dog I, a handbag. I think a dog could maybe ride a moped. Maybe not a motorcycle, but maybe a moped. I don't know. I feel like they'd have issues, you know, throttling it, right? And before no the Church of Scientology <laughs> reclassifies being a dog as a disability. Maybe they give dogs thumbs on this base, dude. You get special accommodations. 
Dog thumbs. Ah, uh, dog <laughs> thumb base. Dog thumb base. I, have you have you guys heard about that chick that pretends to be a dog on OnlyFans? And she just makes like an absurd oh, amount man. of videos. Um, <laughs> just I just had the picture of fucking Miss Cabbage having inviting her over. She can wear a yep. uniform and be a captain. And she she could because she has thumbs. She can ride a motorcycle. I just I just feel so I, bad uh, for everyone. I was trying to find I was trying to find um, the Google Maps thing so I could take a, a remote tour through the the middle of the base and I found just a Wikipedia article for quote the whole. Oh, dude, let me see. Scientology. Give me the link. Give me the link. I was trying to find it, but I couldn't couldn't come bring it up. Yep. There you go. It's uh. Within Gold Base. It's the unofficial nickname of a facility. Known as the SP Hole, the ADE Room, or the CMO Int Trailers. Padded near the town of Hemet. <laughs> Dozens of its senior executives have reportedly been confirmed within the building for months or years. It consists of a set of double-wide trailers within the Scientology compound joined together to form a suite of offices which were formerly used by the church's internal management team. Doesn't tell me what it is. I want to know what it is. Uh, it is a place of confinement and humiliation where Scientology's management culture, always demanding, grew extreme. Inside a who's who of Scientology leadership went at each other with brutal tongue lashings, even hands and fists. Which is wild because it's a who's who of Scientology leadership. Like so, a Scientology like, Fight Club? Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise beating the shit out of people? I, I guess. guess. <laughs> they intimidated each other into crawling on their it hands and like knees something. and standing in trash cans and confessing to things they hadn't done, lived in degrading conditions, eating and sleeping <laughs> in cramped spaces designed for office use. What the hell is happening? Oh no, dude. I, I'm sorry, this is horrible and, and this is Kafka-esque, but I just... I... <laughs> Getting the shit kicked out of you by Tom Cruise sounds like something you'd have to yeah. win like a Mountain Dew contest for. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Drink 300 bottles of Mountain Dew Code Red and Tom Cruise will punch you in the fucking right kidney. <laughs> Make you stand in a trash can. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, yeah. The um, church has denied these accounts. This says the hole does not exist and never has. And no one has been held against their will, but it acknowledges that its members are subjected to quote religious discipline yeah, and, and it is a program so, of ethics and correction entered to voluntarily as a part of their religious see, that's what makes this whole thing so terrifying I doubt is that. like the people that live and work at gold base right like you you have zero contact with the outside world they take your cell phone away you have you you cannot talk to anyone right oh yeah and then you have shit like this they, disciplinary facility where it's like what the fuck are you even doing, dude? How is this legal? Yeah, well, it's because they deny everything, right? And they speak for you because their religion prevents you from being able to speak for yourself and saying that it was awful. So yep. they're like, our formal statement is that he was fine, which is scary. I'm, I'm, I'm digging a little deeper into this. They're talking about Miss Cabbage being a fucking psychopath, and I just, I would, I would be shot, killed, and buried on gold base within two hours if I ever tried to infiltrate. Miss Cabbage loves to uh, call people a cock-sucking motherfucker or to say, you suck cock on Hollywood Boulevard. 
and I would instantly be like, that's a bold statement from someone with <laughs> lips like yours, buddy. Like, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> and he was and never he would just seen pull again. And handgun and execute me. <laughs> yeah. He was pounded into paste by Tom Cruise himself. Oh, dude, I'm going to read this that's paragraph. How Okay, so the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals noted in a ruling given in July 2012 that Mark Headley had remained a clean human excrement by hand from an aeration pond on the compound with no protective equipment, while Claire Headley was banned from the dining hall for up to eight months in 2002. She lost about 30 pounds as a result of subsidizing on protein bars and water. In addition, she had two abortions to comply with Sea Org's no children policy. The Headleys also experienced physical abuse from Scientology executives and saw others being treated violently. Like, that's not illegal. Like, what the fuck are... How, how, do, how does this place still exist, dude? That's so crazy. It's the religious freedom. That's what sound like freedom. It's so weird, man. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, but they've got, like, so much bank, though. Yeah. That's how they keep it going. They got that Tom Cruise speed True. money. Pip, did you have did you have another article? Uh, no, those were my only two, and I guess and a half for finding the hole. <laughs> so, so, did we want to take a quick look at that list? Yeah, I was gonna I was that? gonna say I have an article for you, dude. I think we just take turns reading off this. Let us link to it in Discord, boys. Just take turns reading off some some. Yeah, there it is. Funny or horrifying deaths. I'm just gonna scroll to a random part of the page. Yeah. I got okay. Let me let me yeah, kick it off, go, here, gentlemen. My man, my man, uh, Saint Lawrence in 258 A.D. He was roasted alive on a giant grill during the persecution of Valerian. Prudentius tells that he joked with his tormentors, "Turn me over, I'm done on this side." He's now the patron saint of cooks, chefs, and comedians. Oh, as you do. What the fuck? Oh, he's <laughs> my patron saint now, baby. Um. <laughs> I got an unknown 43-year-old Irish mother who died of an allergic reaction after having sex with a German shepherd. <laughs> the owner of the dog uh, is prosecuted and added to a sex offender list. Em... Hmm. docile's And Dockley's, I guess, would be the representation. He was a philosopher from Sicily who declared himself as a divine being no longer mortal. <laughs> he tried to prove this, the fact that he was an immortal god, by leaping into an active volcano. <laughs> Didn't go so well, I guess. Fuck it, I'm out. Some say he's still in there, swimming you around. You take it out, dude. Didn't bring a ladder. Take it a personal day, you know. Alright, I got, uh, let's see. I can't pronounce this because it's Brazilian. Uh, Adelir Antonio de Carli, a Brazilian Catholic priest. By the way, date of this, uh, 21st of April, 2008. He was a skydiver and undertook a cluster balloon fight, which I didn't know... Sorry, flight, which I didn't know was a real thing. I thought you just did that on up. <laughs> cluster ballooning is when you attach a whole bunch of balloons to a harness and just fly... They lost contact with him, and the lower part of his body was found floating in the sea 11 weeks later. Oh, no. So, I, I guess he just blew away. He went up, dude. So He went up. So, I want to cover up Moliere. 
He was a famous French playwright who wrote funny plays, and he actually suffered a pulmonary hemorrhage caused by tuberculosis while he was playing the part of a hypochondriac in his own <laughs> play. Oh no. And he disguised his convulsion as part of his performance, and he finished the show, which ends with his character dead in a chair. Holy shit, and that's method show, acting, dude. Yeah, dude, he was carried in the chair to his house where he died. What a king. I think he died on stage, and they just didn't want to admit that. So they just moved him, and were like, he died there. <laughs> Yo, Steve Irwin's on this list. God rest his soul. We all know how that happened. All right, Pete, dude. So we, we got yep. we got Quin Shi Huang. Who's the first emperor of China. The terracotta army, dude, you know? He oh, died. I know this man. Yeah, he died after ingesting several pills of mercury in the belief that it would give him eternal life. Yep. His tomb Didn't is also that, surrounded you know? by a river of mercury, by the way. And they are still <laughs> excavating it like centuries later because it's so well guarded with the mercury poisoning and the terracotta warriors and just like the sheer density of the tomb Weird, it's just dude. absolute poison to excavate it's actually so fucked up it's it's kind of really cool though like that's how you do oh, yeah. it yeah it's super cool it's just very weird you know yeah how'd they get that much mercury that's what I'm saying dude like it's a lot a lot, yeah. a lot. Uh, in July 1518, several people died of either heart attacks, strokes, or exhaustion during a dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg. A dancing mania? Something just compelled these people to fucking dance, and they just literally danced till they died. God. Someone just threw on the Jacksons, blame it on the boogie, and they'd never heard it before, and they just could not stop grooving. Uh, dude, that actually relatable, what though. I call a boogie wonderland. Jonathan Capewell, age 16, died in 1998 of a heart attack brought on by the buildup of butane and propane in his blood after excessive use of deodorant sprays. <laughs> oh no. How much I'm you sure you guys spray can spray your pits to put propane in your blood? A lot. A lot. I got one more to start the last round here. Sure. Gloria Ramirez died in 1994 at the age of 31 from kidney failure related to her cervical cancer. She came into the hospital, and while treating her, the staff began, began to fall ill, suffering from loss of consciousness, shortness of breath, and muscle spasms. Shortly before dying, she was allegedly covered with an oily sheen that smelled like fruit and garlic. When they drew her blood with a syringe, nurses noticed that it smelled like ammonia and there were unusual brown rust-like particles floating in it. The alien infection, man. Has to be. Referred to as the toxic woman. Has to be alien, dude. Did they, no ever get, they ever get a sample of that to a lab? I wonder. Right, my last one is uh, October 1998. An entire football team of 11 people in the... Republic, Democratic Republic of the Congo were fatally struck by lightning while playing. The other team left the scene unharmed. <laughs> that's a that's a weird way to win a game. Is the is... whole other team gets struck by lightning and dies. <laughs> I guess we win by default, then. A power of thoughts and prayers, dude. Angel in the outfield? <laughs> okay, dude. Great movie, by the way. Fantastic. <laughs> 
All right, so your boy Thomas Urquhart in 1660, dude. A Scottish aristocrat who died laughing <laughs> upon hearing that Charles II had taken the throne. <laughs> what a way to go, baby. Dude, that's going out with style, though. With personality. I respect that. <laughs> I think the Greek philosopher Chrysippus died of laughter as well. I think a lot of people have died of laughter. That's yeah. the way to do it, man. Yeah. You just like suffocate, essentially, king... right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. think the king would be offended if somebody laughed so hard at him coming to the, the throne that he died? Probably. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Execute him? I guess. Yeah. He's dead, dude. <laughs> it's over. He's done. Yeah. Do what you must. He's already he won. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, to wrap up, I just want to take a moment. Thank everybody for tuning in as per usual please give us a follow on our social media where we are out of the abyss podcast or utap that's o-o-t-a-p we also have a patreon patreon.com slash o-o-t-a-p thank you all very much and have a good night bye that's not the line at all thank you for everything as an element of the unknown And good night.